Once upon a time, in a faraway land called Washington Heights. Say, so it doesn't disappear. Washington Heights! Lights up on Washington Heights. Up at the break of day, I wake up and I got this little punk I gotta chase away. Pop the grate at the crack of dawn, sing while I wipe down the awning. Hey, y'all, uh, good morning. It's a story of a block that was disappearing. The genius is back! Yo, here's your chance. Ask her out right now. Hey! Something on your shirt. <laughs> Smooth operator, all damn. We all had a sueñito. And when it came to dreams, we had to keep scraping by. Maybe this neighborhood is changing forever. Maybe tonight is our last night together, however. I just want to see the whole world through our eyes. They're talking about kicking out all the dreamers. It's time to make some noise. Hello and welcome to the Movie Robcast with me, your host, Rob Daniel. And as always, I am very happy to say that I am joined by my... Just going to wait for this guy to pop by. Shall <laughs> <laughs> we just start walking? <laughs> um, we go behind or... Oh, we can do, yeah. So we're... Um, <laughs> been evicted from the bench that we were perched on. We have two old, I would say they are, Italian gentlemen just came up and perched right down next to us. It's like, okay, you have that, guys. Yeah, so... Um, I was gonna... This actually feels really in character for the film that we're talking about. That's right. So, uh, yeah, I was going to re-record this, but actually, no, let's just um, keep on going. So, uh, yes, as you can tell, we're doing the movie Robcast this week in situ Al Fresco we're outside the Tate Modern right now um, it is a glorious Sunday afternoon there are many people around I'm your host Rob Daniel and as always I am joined by my resplendent co-host Mr Rob Wallace and as always it's a pleasure to be here what are we talking about today Rob today we are talking about In the Heights which seems to be the right film to talk about when we are surrounded by people all of whom have stripped off for summer and are enjoying the afternoon and if, if there was a pool nearby, I think they would all dive into well, it. Well, the film has a counter in terms of keeping track of the heat. Yes, it does, doesn't it? So I'm not going to say that London's quite you know, that intense, but it's pretty warm. Well, it's 26 degrees today, and I don't do heat very well, particularly as I refuse to take off my jacket. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, 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 I think your main concession to the heat is the fact that you're wearing grey rather than black. That's, That's right, it. yes. And actually, I'm wearing a light blue shirt, so I'm practically naked. I mean, I'm wearing a T-shirt. I haven't quite managed to take off the jeans I for some reason I've got a weird thing about wearing shorts I just I'm not good at it well you are rocking the Charlie Brown look today and it does <laughs> look very good on you I will take that uh, <laughs> it's good it's cool uh, if, yeah, if you don't mind being my Snoopy on this one I'll always be your Snoopy <laughs> I'll literally be your wingman because he often wears flying goggles doesn't he Snoopy does he does <laughs> we are talking about In the Heights the new film from Lin-Manuel Miranda. I mean, it's it's directed by John M. Chu, who did Crazy Rich Asians, but to all intents and purposes, it is a Lin-Manuel Miranda film, the same way that Hamilton was directed by someone else, but it's Lin-Manuel Miranda's vision up there on screen. And his energy, yeah, his music, his lyrics. I mean, I think In the Heights was his first release, and, yeah, it was kind of the, the nascent work from this, this sort of brave, new, young Latino voice. I think the rights were picked up by Universal, in like 2008 and I think they may have struggled with it because uh, it's by well 
John M. Chu, who, as you did, did step up to the streets? That's right, yes. Because at the end of around 2008 time, there were lots and lots of dance movies around. So there was Honey, the Jessica Alba film. That was around that time, I think. There was the Step Up series. Christina Aguilera did one with Cher. Um, I think that Mary Elizabeth Winstead did one as well. I can't remember what that was called. But there were lots of... I, that's Cloverfield Lane, mate. You're, you're... Yeah, that's right. Yes, that was like a few years later, but it wasn't that one. No, but she did one as well. And it was So there were lots of dance movies around. And when I have to admit, I don't know a huge amount about the background of In the Heights, but it was... Tony nominated it was it was a Broadway hit I I think is that right yeah I th- it was I think he wrote it I think it goes back to like 2000 when he was when initially working on it and it got freestyle rap it's hip hop it's set in the bodega in in the heights in in New York which would be Washington Heights Washington Heights yeah and initially I think it was like kind of pitched as being kind of hip hop version of Rent right okay. and this incredible, you know, it's like talking about Lin Manuel Miranda, this sort of fresh new Latino voice in in musicals, and I think it, it premiered on Broadway around the time that it got picked up by Universal. It was being optioned by Universal, and with Lin Manuel Miranda in the uh, the sort of main male role as Luis Navi. So, what's the story? The story, and again, I always, I always revert to the synopsis from you know from. Yes, what does the IMDb have to say about this one? Yes, what does the the IMDb have to say oh come on now (laughs) he said sounding like king george well actually while you're looking for that so the basic story of in the heights is about a guy in his late 20s called uznavi who owns a bodega like a corner shop he dreams of going back to the dominican republic which is where he's from and is surrounded by sort of a cast of characters from sort of similar backgrounds yeah, so the area that he lives in, the Washington Heights, is a, how would you describe it now, like a Latinx area. So there's lots of different South American nationalities there. It's undergoing a gentrification, so they are slowly seeing a lot of the old stores disappearing. There's a lot of new stores coming in that they can't afford to shop at. A lot of the characters there, well, every character has a dream, and the whole thing is about a dream, and you need to hold on to your dream. It doesn't have to be the biggest thing in the world, but it needs to be something that your life can work towards. Navi's dream is to go back to the Dominican Republic, to open up a beachside bar so he can try to reclaim the memories that he had as a kid, which were his happiest memories. He's in love with a woman called Vanessa, played by... Uh, Melissa Barrera. So she dreams of being a fashion designer she works as a nail technician in a local salon she's trying to get a downtown apartment but is finding out that there are certain obstacles standing in in her way one of them is that her surname is morales she's friends with nina and nina is an honor student who has managed to go to stanford she's the first person from the area you think that is going to an ivy league school she's played by leslie grace and she was in a relationship with Benny, who's played by Corey Hawkins, and Corey Hawkins works at her father's dispatch company, so they have a fleet of cars, and yeah, he still holds a torch for her. Her father's played by Jimmy Smith, he's very, very proud of his daughter, so it's all family tale of friendship and trying to achieve your dreams. As it's by the guy who did Hamilton, it has a real, I would say a political subtext, but there isn't, it's just a political text in this. Oh, that's um, the thing, with Hamilton, and this isn't being like you know two white men doing. The, we love Hamilton. I've, I've, I've. I've I think seen, it's fine to say we love I've, Hamilton. I've, yes, I've seen Hamilton <laughs> twice on the stage. I would have seen it three times if yes. I'd had the, you know. So, but it's like how as an audience going to respond to kind of the music of Hamilton without this is going to sound good without the gimmick of Hamilton. Well, that's an interesting point because I did like In the Heights a lot, and I had a really good time with it. I did 
think it was over long at two and a half hours and there were some parts of it that really really moved me and I think that audiences will be able to get on board with the general themes because the general themes are basically friendship and family and working hard to try and achieve your dream and I think that for anyone who isn't a racist they will be able to understand yeah Yeah, that's right and they will be able to relate to the plight and it's not laid on with a trowel and actually there's a subplot that It's very, very nicely, subtly worked in and becomes a big thing towards the end. But there is a commentary about how America right now is is a racist country and it's deeply divided. But one thing I love it is that it's with in terms of how it presents its story. That's all, all definitely an aspect. It is an insider story. It's, it's 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 sort of you know you are fully immersed into this community through the eyes of people you know who've lived there all their life. And that sort of stuff I just really, really got on board with. And there were moments in the film when I was just so into it. And there were moments where I was really, really choked up. There were a few scenes with Leslie Grace and Jimmy Smith as father and daughter when he's talking about what he wants her to have that he couldn't have. Yeah, I was really, really moved by that. I would just say that at two and a half hours, it did have a slight story. And I was sometimes a little bit restless. Um, I thought it could have been pruned back maybe by about 15 minutes. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, two and a half hours is pretty standard for theatre. But for the cinema, obviously, that kind of hits differently. I wasn't bored at any point. Uh, there was a point where I'd had a large Coke before going, oh, there'd be in the cinema with a large Coke and a popcorn. <laughs> um, and suddenly thought, like, I'm really enjoying this. I am busting for a pee. <laughs> and then just trying to pick, pick the point where it's like, I don't think I'm going to miss a key emotional beat if I dash off now. Do you actually dash off? Yeah, I, I, dash, I dash to the loo. Do you remember uh, the bit? It's after the climax, but for, before the denouement. Okay, right, yeah. And I, I managed to I managed to kind of time it in such a way that I slipped back into the cinema, was able to stand at the front next to the door, you know, sort of behind next to the wall of seats. So being very much out of the way and kind of you know having a little moment of like I'm I'm really enjoying this. I'm glad I didn't miss it. I um, mean, Anthony Anthony Ramos, who plays Uasnavi, the thing that he was kind of best known for, and what you'd recognise him, he's John Lawrence and Philip Hamilton in Hamilton. That's right. He's, yep. Yeah, he, he's Hamilton's son. And that's what you probably might have recognised him from. Although his hair, he, has, he has very long hair in that. I also recognised him as, I think, is he Squad Sergeant Number 2 from Godzilla King of the Monsters or something like that? Uh, scrolling down, no, he's not. He's in Honest Thief. Is he not in one of the... Is he not Actually, one? No, he is Godzilla King of the Monsters. You are, although for some reason, Honest Thief is positioned below that, despite the fact I saw Honest Thief before he saw King of the Monsters because the release dates are all fucked up. Yes, he's Staff Sergeant Anthony Martinez. Well, that's the thing. is, It was a real treat to watch this film. And I do think that it was overlong, but there was so much to enjoy in it. And I thought, well, it was almost a year ago to the month that Hamilton was released on Disney+. Plus. So a year later, Lin-Manuel Miranda's given us... Just wait for the trolley to trundle by. And there's another one coming as well. No, Rob, we need to find a way to incorporate this musically. <laughs> yes, we do. That's right. We do. We need to find a beat or like a melody within the trundling. Unfortunately, I was born without a sense of melody, so like... And I'm not a musical genius. But yeah, so for the second time in a year, Lin-Manuel Miranda has delivered this joyous celebration of music. And I have to admit, Hamilton completely blew me away when I watched it on Disney+, Plus to the point where it was the only thing I listened to on Spotify for the next two weeks. I just absorbed the Hamilton soundtrack on a molecular level. And was so amazed at just how absolutely brilliant Hamilton was. This, of course, was done before Hamilton. And when you watch it, you can see that there are certain songs that play as like a prototype for Hamilton. It's not as good as Hamilton, but then very few musicals are as good as Hamilton, I would say. I think Hamilton has the kind of 
Hamilton plays out over chronologically a much longer period and has a much sort of wider scope, historically speaking. Therefore, you kind of get to pick your... And again, I, I know I went on about set pieces during our um, Quiet Place 2 podcast, but it kind of gets to pick its, its musical set pieces in a way that this is you know, much more woven in in terms of it takes place over less than a week. Yeah. The, the majority of it takes place over less than a week. I think it's a great musical. I think John M. Q. Chu, he came on for some criticism that, you know, oh, he's shooting bits of it like a music video. It's like, yes, because these are musical sequences. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's how you would shoot something like that. Well, I think the thing there is that everyone kind of forgets that fame, the musical fame... Alan Parker's film did kind of set a bit of a template for the way the musical videos were shot so that this all is, came from a musical this isn't a Robert Altman film well this isn't <laughs> Hamilton you know the stage production Hamilton and to your point about the fact that Hamilton had a lot more to put into it I think that's why Hamilton which is the same length as In the Heights it's also two and a half hours Hamilton flies by because it has so much more history that it can go through and yeah, you made the very, very good point. This takes place in under a week. And there's not a lot of stuff that happens in it. It's more about the characters. And it's one of those... I mean, it does take time to introduce the characters. So the Vanessa character, her intro song, I think comes about 35 minutes into the movie. And it's like, well, you are kind of the joint female lead in this. And it's 35 minutes into the film, and we're only really just finding out about you. So it seemed again to your point because you know much more about this than I do but it seemed much more a theatrical experience that had been lifted and shifted onto yes, the screen they set up a lot of the character motifs quite early on but then obviously you can't have every not everybody gets to have their song straight off the bat um, you, do, right. you, do, you need to stagger it and I, I did think it worked incredibly well in that regard I don't think I mean, there are. It's it is very theatrical in its presentation, as it should be. And you've got the uh, you've got Lin Lin Manuel Miranda as the Paragua guy, as the guy who's you know walking around making people like fro- with the frozen ice and the syrups, making people you know. And he gets a he gets kind of a song that is in a, in its way more reminiscent of Mary Poppins Returns. Yeah, you know, sort of him walking around as like a street vendor. Yeah, because he played a Leary in that, didn't he? Yeah. And- he was one of the lamplighters and was very good in that film as well. Which actually was the first exposure that I had to Lin-Manuel Miranda was in Mary Poppins Returns because I didn't want to watch any of Hamilton until I could actually watch it properly. And also there's a really interesting scene with him as the crushed ice guy, which is lifted directly from Do the Right Thing, the Spike Lee film, where the crushed ice guy comes and all the kids go up to him. Then they all run over to, uh, to Mr. Whippy or Mr. Softy. Yeah when the ice cream van arrives and you again get the impression that the corporations have come in I mean that is a scene that's lifted and shifted directly from Do the Right Thing but here it also has the point that the corporations are coming in and all of the old neighbourhood businesses are just being devoured it was nice to see him but I think it was also because he could have given himself the Jimmy Smith's role but he didn't yeah well I I don't think he's old enough to do the Jimmy Smith's role and Jimmy Smith brings such gravitas in yeah. in, the, in whatever he's in it's like it's it's hard to imagine anyone else in that role i think with him is like it's a light role it's like a light comedic role that still has a little bit of, that still has some heart to it and imagine he was also quite a hands-on producer so therefore it's also pretty much just a cameo role so he could be next to john chu when it's all being made yes and sort of say okay this is here are my thoughts on the music which yeah. Now, you saw this before, or you gave your opinion of this on a WhatsApp before I did. Yeah, you said that the West Side Story must be bricking itself now. So, yeah, uh, I mean, why would you want to tell that story now? The, uh, it's a story that ostensibly has, you know, you know Latino protagonists, uh, Latinx, sorry, I always masculinize it, a Latinx protagonists in it that, you know, historically were not generally played by people of Latinx extraction. No. And in this, I don't actually know in Spielberg's version if they are 
I don't actually I only know one member of the cast and that's somebody they must be feeling slightly delicate about at the moment um, but it's also like why would you want to like retelling that story the big glossy Hollywood probably you know slightly sanitized musical versus this vibrant sort of lived in and I've, I know using the word vibrant is such a cliche no but it is though but it, but it is it's also just lovely seeing the different locations in terms of you know you've got the wonderful nail salon hairdressers the female hairdresser the nail technicians yeah. one of whom and I didn't realise that she was in the film and you know and I messaged Rob immediately afterwards going Stephanie Beatrice is in this that's right yeah so Rosa Diaz from Brooklyn Nine-Nine and again she has a supporting role but it's just great to see her in it and it's interesting with West Side Story because West Side Story has a lot of themes right now that are very very relevant even though it's an old film so there is like a racial tension to the not to the story but there's like a racial element to the plot there's police brutality in there as well and but yeah I just thought well this risks making West Side Story look a bit creaky. There was a lot of location photography. And to use your word, it was just so vibrant. When it came to life, it really was just a joy to watch. And yeah, so it will be interesting to see how West Side Story kind of measures up to it. Especially because they're positioning it as like the Christmas prestige blockbuster. That's right, which was held back so that it could be eligible for Oscar consideration because Spielberg wanted that. So that's what's happened there. And it's interesting because In the Heights was a universal movie they must have just let the rights go at some point because now it's Warner Brothers. And isn't West Side Story Warner Brothers? I feel like it probably is. I, we can look that up quickly. I mean, it's MGM, but I seem to remember that Warner Brothers licensed it for video and for DVD. But do you mind having a look at that just to check? Because it's like, well, yeah, Warner Brothers could be in direct competition with themselves over two musicals. And the choreography is good. There's a scene... It's in- by Fox, actually. Oh, is it Fox? Okay. So Disney are going to have it. Wow. My 20th Century Studios, should I say. So, well, that's interesting. I wonder if that's going to be released to rent to Disney Plus as well. This will be interesting to see the power of Disney Plus versus Spielberg, because Spielberg can say exactly what happens with his movie. And of course, he is all about the theatrical experience. So, it will be interesting to see if Disney Plus wait a while before they premiere it as a home rental. Yeah, on one hand, they obviously don't, they don't want to piss off Spielberg. They want the, the box office of a big theatrical release. But if they were to release this, I mean, because they're releasing it, see the Christmas Eve, Christmas Day or Boxing Day, can you imagine if they dropped this on Disney Plus on, like, Christmas Day or Boxing Day? Well, it would be interesting, but you would kind of think that no one's going to subscribe to something on Christmas Day because Christmas Day is, like, they're just so well, busy. But but then you, you what you do is you have the long lead-in. You have, you have the long lead-in saying, we're going to do this. Here's a promotion. Right, so they, so they couldn't do a surprise drop, but they could say something very special is coming on Christmas Day. Yeah. You might want to subscribe to it. Well, actually, that could work. But again, I just think Spielberg is all about the theatrical experience. And, um, yeah. I don't know why you, I mean, given that Marty went onto Netflix. Yeah, but that's only because they would say, yes, we'll give you $170 million to make your four-hour gangster movie yeah. that isn't like Goodfellas at all. <laughs> that a lot of people are going to be quite disappointed by because it's, it's not like Goodfellas. Goodfellas, but everyone's so old. Yes, or unconvincingly young. Oldfellas or oddfellas sometimes. Another interesting thing here, of course, is that Spielberg, his studio is Universal. That's the studio that he's normally associated with, and they had the rights to In the Heights, so it all goes round and round and round. Yeah, and I thought the... We've got a plane going over. Oh, the signs of life again. Um, I mean, this looked very good on a big screen. And yeah, that sequence of the pool I thought was very good. Um, there's a whole 
song around what it would be like if you won a lot of money that I, I thought actually was really good in terms of it starts like 96,000 is it 96,000? Something like that, yeah. $96,000, yeah. I mean, yeah, that that's the thing, is it? It's not even like, yeah, millions, it's $96,000. It's enough to give you, well, either give you a start. It's life-changing money. Yeah, and it's like, it's enough to give you a start, or it's enough to get you out of the hole that you're in if you're working two jobs and have a family. And it opens as like, uh, oh, wouldn't it be great to do that? And what would you do? I'd do this, this, and this. And as the song goes on, it becomes more darker and a bit more desperate because you realise that these people are now really beginning to think about the fact that they could have a way out and I think I think one thing I really like about that is nobody is tearing their hair out over it it's not like oh god I'm, I'm in hot with a loan shark and they're gonna come and break my legs everybody's like oh this would be life-changing but everybody is to at least a degree they are like happy where they are for the most part well I don't know it's like apart from like one or two characters nobody's like apart from two key characters most people like they like Washington Heights and they don't necessarily like how Washington Heights is changing but they love living there in a way I kind of agree with you in a way I think that's kind of one of the points of the film as well so not to get into that too much to spoil it but there is a question of like the Wizard of Oz there's no place like home so um, and I think there's a few characters that go on that particular journey there's a really nice scene that's like a magical realism scene when people are dancing on the side of a tenement and I could have done with a few more fantastical flourishes like that to get into what the magic of a movie musical can sometimes be because you kind of think of the things like Fred Astaire when he would dance with his own cane and stuff like that or Gene Kelly when he would dance with Tom and Jerry and or um, again it was Fred Astaire who did the thing where he was dancing in the rotating room so he was dancing on the ceiling at one point and the scene on the side of the tenement was really good and I thought I could have done with a couple more sequences like that yeah I did like the magical realist touches although I guess the issue is if you lean into them too hard you end up kind of taking away from the quote-unquote reality of it and I did think as you were saying about West Side Story a lot of the themes running through it I mean it was written pretty much 20 something years ago but it still has real currency unsurprisingly America hasn't dealt with Sorry, he says, sounding superior, America hasn't dealt with a lot of its issues. A lot of social issues, wherever you are, tend to endure. Yeah, we've not had torchlets parades marching through our streets just yet. Not that that didn't seem to be a possibility after Brexit, but I think there's a line in this when one of the characters says, racism in this country has gone from latent to blatant, and I thought, was that always in it, or has that been added recently? Because if that was always in them, then my God, you have a prophetic ear. But, yeah... So yeah, I had a great time watching it. It's the second time I've been back to the cinema to see something new. I mean, we've just walked out of a, a screening on the South Bank of Retrospective, uh, which was beyond lovely. But yeah, it's well, here we are, standing on the South Bank in the glorious sun, birds cheeping, talking about a film that really, I think, does... the simpatico. I yeah. think at the moment, the circumstances under which we're shooting this and the film with, by which we're talking about are perfect couple. As in, we'd seen In the Heights and then walked out into this weather. Like, could you imagine the entire audience walked out into this weather? They would probably try and start dancing and singing. <laughs> like, oh my God, it's exactly like the film. It's blue skies and everything's sunny and everyone's really happy. Another thing here is that I thought there was some nice little flourishes um, and it really was a film that the background, you could see the culture in the background and in the set design, but it didn't want to be an exclusionary film so I think there were things in there that if you are from that community and from that heritage that you will get it but you can see that there was a lot in there to just try and present a culture visually that you don't always see being presented by the people from that culture and that I thought worked well as well thinking some of the dance sequences like when the den mother from the nail salon just calls everyone out for being miserable 
that was a really really good scene but uh, yeah God, can you imagine like in a hairdresser's calling out people in Britain for being miserable they'd be like yeah so what yeah, so what? everything is miserable <laughs> do, you, do you not live here that's right yeah so what do you think of the cast cast are fantastic I mean Anthony Ramos who's the sort of male lead is incredibly he gets the right balance of sort of charm and wit and insecurity and it's it, yeah, sort of one of those it's difficult not to use superlatives about everyone but it's it's an incredibly well-rounded cast and Corey Hawkins it's nice seeing Corey Hawkins I don't think I've seen Corey Hawkins in anything that I can think of since 24 Legacy that was the last thing I saw him in as well and I thought where have you been so it was really nice to see him here and the women, so Leslie Grace and Melissa Barrera, they were both really good as well. And there was, and, that, and that's the thing is that you know, Melissa Barrera had a really nice emotional moment with Anthony Ramos towards the end that is actually quite stylistically low key, but just shows if you get good singers and good performers, then a musical can be a really quite moving way to tell a story. Yeah, but I love musicals anyway, but yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what it does here because this might be a word of mouth film because the trailer was okay, but it's quite a tough one to sell, I think. It's a tough one to sell because it is a sort of a big, sunny musical. I mean, I think from Lin-Manuel Miranda does a lot of lifting, and I think yes. the $96,000 kind of trailer, they, they basically released a song, mm. does a lot of it because it's a, it's a great song and it's a great showcase for the film. I hope it performs. I guess the irony being, I mean, at least in the UK at the moment, is, is the glorious weather keeping people out of the cinemas. Oh my God, it could be. Well, this doesn't get released, I think, until the 17th of June, but which, so I think it's all going to turn. So it could be that people go back just to see some nice weather again. I hadn't, I hadn't actually seen the trailer that used the $96,000 song. I'd seen a TV spot or something, but I thought, mm, okay, I'll see it because of Hamilton. And you're right, yeah, that is the thing that does the heavy lifting. Um, well, before I forget, there is a post credit scene that it's well worth sticking around for. It's not like a Marvel scene where you just wait for ages and then it's, oh, okay, this one was really good. Did you... I didn't stick around for that. Okay, I understand that I should now assume that every blockbuster has a mid or post credit scene. <laughs> um, yeah, because I watched Nobody as well, and that has a mid credit scene that's very good. This one was right at the end, and it's, and it actually goes on for a couple of minutes. Oh, well, that's nice. There's... Is it a spoiler to say that there's a technical failure at some point in this film that brings the whole city to a halt? Yeah, one that also feels, you know, again, Spike Lee. Because of... It's, it's, yeah, it's, again, we've, we've talked about a film we've talked about. Oh, no, so I was thinking of Summer of Sam, the same thing happens oh, yes, in that. Yes, where yes. But I thought, is this going to go really dark now? But the film's a PG, which is really good because it's like, well, actually, I can see this being a family movie I can see yeah, even tweens getting into the stories of the young people and I think there's a lot in there in terms of the older cast members this is actually a very good example of a modern family film yeah there's just a guy peeing over there there's... oh yeah there is it's like see we're breaking your heart there's all of life rich tapestry going on around us and we're creating art and I can literally hear the flow splash against the leaves <laughs> he must have needed that bad that is about three pints of beer right there <laughs> Hopefully some of that would have picked up so we can, I can try to amplify the flow. But <laughs> if, if you can't just, I don't know, use the waterfall sound from Quiet Place 1 or Last of the Mohicans. Or... That's right. He's now just wandering off the perfect crime. Nobody so bright and sunny. a thing. So bright and sunny. Okay, so, yeah, is there anything else to say about In the Heights? Smart, funny, catching. Catching? God. Catchy <laughs> and moving. And infectious so it is quite catching yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yes. oh god the last thing we want at this point um, yeah, that's right don't put that on the poster it's a strong it's a strong recommend yeah. i mean it's, it's everything you'd hope it would be indeed i would say that i think it's over long i do think that but when it ended i was yes i had a big smile on my face and thought 
that was lovely and actually stuck around through the credits not really meaning to but just thinking oh, I'm just enjoying the music and then respect they'll... for the, uh, the the cast and crew involved and I mean again I'd, I'd gone to the gone to the loo slightly before so I was sort of stood in the entranceway and then when it was ending I was like okay I'm gonna leave. I should have I should have stood around I should have stood around but this is like a watch again film I think isn't yeah it? I'd so. definitely give it a look when it arrives on whatever service on which it arrives yeah, so it's Warner. So actually, it's going to be Sky Cinema in this country, isn't it? I didn't think we were going to be able to do this one, but I'm really glad that we were able to do it. So um, so yeah, they, those were our thoughts on In the Heights. The next episode is going to feature an interview with a couple of film directors who were very good and spoke to me about what I think is one of the best unusual horror films of the year. And we will be talking about another film as well, but we will hold you in suspense for what that is. So in the meantime, should we do plugs? Yes, um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Robert M. Wallace or find my writing at of all the film sites, www.ofallthefilmsites.com. Uh, I have promised a McCabe and Mrs. Millimet retrospective that's still percolating. It will appear at some point. You do know that I'm going to be really annoying and ask for updates on that McCabe and Mrs. Miller retrospective because I got quite excited when you said that in the last episode and um, I really want to read your thoughts on that so committed to it so that's why no one's paying nothing, for nothing it like but... your own feet to the fire. that's yeah. right yes um, if you want to follow me on Twitter I'm at Rob underscore A underscore Daniel my writing is at electric dash shadows dot com um, I always forget about Letterbox. if you want to follow me on Letterbox, I'm Rob Dan seven five but most importantly, if you want to follow the podcast, then that is at MovieRobCast on Twitter. And if you liked what you heard, then please rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. It always helps the show and it's always much appreciated. And yes, I'm not even going to try and think of a cool rhyme to go out on because it'll just be embarrassing. It'll be like when I try to do Eminem or something. So I'm not going to do that. But yes, as Rob said, In the Heights is a strong recommend and we will talk to you again very, very soon. So thank you very much. And thank you very much. If I won the lotto tomorrow, well, I know I wouldn't bother going on no spin this free. I pick a business school and pay the entrance fee. And maybe if you're lucky, you'll stay friends with me. I'll be a businessman richer than Nina's daddy. Tiger Woods and I on them links and he's my caddy. My money's making money. I'm going from pole to modo. Keep the bling. I want the brass ring like Proto. Mr. Braggadocio, next thing you know, you lying like Pinocchio. Oh, no, if you scared of the bull, stay out the rodeo. Oh, I got more flows than Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, you better stop rapping, you not ready. It's gonna get hot and heavier. You already sweat. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, yo, I'm sorry, was that an answer? Shut up, go home and pull your damn pants up. Oh. As for you, Mr. Frodo of the Shire, what? 96 G's ain't enough to retire. Come on, I have enough to knock your ass off his axis. You'll have a knapsack full of jack after taxes. <laughs>